listening to Fox Sports Radio. We've had a bunch of upsets, as we've talked about here on Straight Out of Vegas uh, throughout the course of the tournament in the opening weekend. But the Sweet 16 is set, and despite all of the upsets, the only number one seed to be eliminated is Illinois. So we've got three of the four still remaining, along with two number twos as we get set for next weekend in the Sweet 16 round. Okay, so let's run down the favorites to start. From here onward, these are the favorites in the NCAA tournament. Gonzaga is the favorite and a borderline prohibitive favorite, plus 150. So you get a little bit more than even money back. So you got 16 teams competing, and you're getting 100 to win you 150 on Gonzaga. They are clearly the big favorite and a team that was a big favorite coming into the tournament. So as much as we've seen a lot of upsets, we've seen Gonzaga um, 28-0 now, straight up on the season, but also covering the spread as a over 15 point favorite against Oklahoma yesterday. So this is a situation where they advanced and they advanced with conviction. And I think one thing right off the go, Joan is for us not to get mm, fall into a trap with is what are the scenarios? What are the factors that led to all these upsets and do they apply to Gonzaga? And I think some do and some don't, but, on one hand, all these upsets, if anything, they maybe improve the odds for the Zags. Yeah. Meaning, if the level of competition moving forward is thinned out, is diminished, then you're better, your odds are going to be better. But the other situation to consider is, well, the factors that led to these upsets, are they applicable to Gonzaga? So, from a fan's perspective, does it feel like oh, what this has done is just thin out the ranks and and thus the Zags are even better off? Or is it, hmm, the Zags have avoided this problem so far, but the same things that led to these other upsets apply to them also? What's your gut feeling? I think it's a wake-up call. Um, and, and that's why when you said, you know, this, if anything, improves their odds, I would, I would also say the same thing. John Calipari had a great quote a few years back when Kentucky had one of those real dominant teams with those one-and-dones, and they were the overwhelming number one seed in the tournament. And he said after a game that was kind of close for them, they asked him, what did you tell your players? He said, I told them, just land the plane. He's all, it's not going to be a smooth flight all the time, but just land the plane, get us there safely. And if you're Gonzaga, you didn't need to go through that in your games. You just looked around and said, oh, so that number one seed is gone, and those two number two seeds are gone, and everybody's get, and it felt like it was a wake-up call without them having to go through some of the struggles that, like, see, say, a team like Illinois went through. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What's up, everyone? It's me, three-time NFL All-Pro Sean Marion, and I have a new sports podcast called the Lights Out Podcast with Sean Marion. This podcast is special to me as I get a chance to talk to some of the best who've ever done it on the field or the track. So whether it's talking to a Super Bowl champion or a NASCAR Cup Series champion, the Lights Out Podcast will bring it to you the only way I know how to. I'm giving you the best insight from the best who's ever done it. Listen to Lights Out with Sean Merriman on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you can get your podcast. Now, there's been some discussions about a possible restructuring of uh, Aaron Rodgers' contract in Green Bay. That has not happened yet. And then we've also got Russell Wilson trying to exercise his power and leverage to get some personnel control, which seems very similar to one quarterback who just won his seventh Super Bowl. Yeah, to me, it just shows you, well, Brady, when you have the true greats in any field 
oftentimes the way they exert the most influence is by being emulated by people saying, hey, that's the way to win. Let's do that. It might be uh, like LeBron and his concern for his body and having you know millions of dollars he spends on trying to upkeep his body. If it's weightlifting back in the day, all these different things where that was the first guy to do it. And what has Brady done? It seems like what we know Brady did even back in New England is he said, hey, I'm willing to say I'll take 22 million instead of 28 million. And with that extra 6 million, we can upgrade two positions. And everyone says, oh, yeah, that's easy when you have a, a billionaire supermodel or a hundred millionaire supermodel wife. And that maybe, right? Maybe. Though to some degree to say, yeah, you know, that 150 million Russell Wilson made or Aaron Rodgers isn't enough. He, you know, if only he had a wife that had a hundred million, he could really, you know, come on. Either winning's important or it's not. And I get to the idea that it's kind of unfair, you could say, to expect people to do that. But in a weird way, it's like, well, you don't have to do it. It's just like you don't have to eat avocado ice cream. But the people who do tend to do better. And what we see with Aaron Rodgers is a restructuring effort. I guess my question to you, Jonas, is looking at the numbers, and I don't know how deep he dug, I think the thing Brady's getting kind of a lot of love for that I think is unwarranted this year is for him to restructure, it was he added another year. So remember, Belichick was pretty much willing to pay Brady from all reports about the same as Tampa Bay, but it was going to be for one year. Where New England, that second year, which would be starting this upcoming year, is what Belichick balked at. So Brady was very focused on making it to 45 because the theory was that was what he had set as a goal, the TB12. Yeah. And for the rest of his life, he can say played you know high-level quarterback in the NFL to age 45. And that, that could make him, who knows what, hundreds of millions of dollars in business. It's going to be a valuable branding piece for sure. In this restructuring of Brady, they moved him, gave him an additional third year. My understanding is it was about $25 million. So to go from one year with Belichick to initially two years with Tampa to now three years with Tampa, I'm not saying he didn't earn it, but what I'm saying is this restructuring that saved them money this year on the cap, the Bucks, it really helped Brady. It effectively put another $25 million in his pocket. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but it wasn't some selfless act. If anything, it was a net win for Brady, even beyond the win for the team. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I mean, it's not like he took the league minimum. You know, I mean, he's still making a a good amount of money. And it also, to your point on the TB12 stuff, it would behoove him to play as long as possible because he can then, after his career is over, say, look, you want to know why I lasted so long? Look at my TB12 products that are out. Like this, just no doubt. This this does benefit him as much as people can say it benefits the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I would say it benefits Tom Brady more because it helps him currently while he's playing, and then afterwards because he can point back to how long he lasted, and he can point to and attribute it to his TB12 brand. And let's be clear. We in no way begrudge him that. We in no way think, but what we're saying is he's done things in the past, Brady, that were strictly for the team. That Other than winning, there was no benefit to Brady. Other than increasing the chance to win, there was no benefit to Brady. This is one 
in which he's getting a sack. Let's be candid. It's very unlikely that in 2022 that Brady's going to be worth a $25 million quarterback salary. Now, he could be because I thought it was unlikely he'd be worth it this year, to be honest. So he's he's um, he's proven wrong. Every detractor. Fezzik at the front of that list. (laughs) And, you know, Fezzik's had him, you know, hitting the wall for eight years. And the reality is he is uh, one of a kind when it comes to longevity. And you and you got to just rationally think TB12, I mean, is it random that he's the one, a guy that had a pudgy body relative to other NFL players coming in is now the only one that can last this long? I mean, there's got to be something to it, in my opinion. So, I mean, I've got his book. I haven't read the whole thing yet. <laughs> so, I mean, but I get it. It convinced me enough to buy it. But to me, this time... He benefits. If, if to me, if there was no benefit to Tampa Bay this year on the cap from Brady signing this contract, I think Brady still would have signed it. Because to get that third year guaranteed, you know, this year and then that next year, is something that he's been fixated on. That's what the main beef with New England's been. So, to me, this is great. And Aaron Rodgers is learning the right lesson. But... I don't think this year Brady deserves as much credit as in prior years. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Now let's transition to Russell Wilson. I think this is a, a bad precedent. And here's why. Is I think that Brady's success with Tampa wasn't because he got to pick the players. It was because the players, there were a handful that were willing to come play with him at a discount, or maybe in Gronk's case, he wouldn't have played at all. And in fact, you would have to think he wouldn't have. If, if Brady had retired before last year, I think it's a very small chance Gronk would have played anywhere. So if Russell Wilson has the ability to get someone in there that wouldn't go any other place or would only go to a handful of places, Russell Wilson in Seattle's one of them, great. But getting to decide who the center is or getting to decide who they draft. That's something Brady's never done. And I was listening to uh, Get Up to, or watching Get Up today, and they were talking about, like, well, what should Seattle do to please Russell Wilson? And the answer was, I think it was uh, Orlowski said, um, he goes, well, they should do whatever he wants. If they do, if, if he wants something, they should do it because nothing is more important than keeping Russell Wilson happy. Yeah. And you know what? I probably agree with that last statement, meaning that of all the things Seattle could do this offseason, the thing that could hurt the team the most is if they, they, if they disgruntle Russell Wilson. If, if Russell Wilson's mad and doesn't want to play for Seattle, that probably hurts Seattle more than any other single thing could hurt him. And the flip side is if Russell Wilson is engaged and happy, then that helps them more than any single thing could help them. But that doesn't mean that there's no limit to what you'll do to please him because there are certain things you could do that would please him that would hurt the rest of the team and the team concept itself in a way that was even bigger than Russell Wilson leaving would hurt him. And I think the minute comes where there's no limit. It's one thing to say, take him seriously, hear him out, right? There's a bunch of business books written about how do you let the team members, the employees feel like they got a voice, but not let them feel like they're running the ship because they can't run the ship. That's why you have executives. And to me, where is that balance? I don't know, but I know that 
making them mad like they did to Deshaun Watson for no reason. Not a smart move. But by the same token, acting like Russell Wilson would have any market as a GM right now is absurd. He wouldn't. So why should he act like the GM? And if you're just placating him and saying, oh, yes, thanks, Russell. It's like having a little kid walk up with their plan for like, hey, we're going to build a new house. Well, what do you think, Johnny? And Johnny comes to the house. It's got like a rocket ship on top of it or whatever. <laughs> and they take it and they say, yes, Johnny, good job. We'll consider these factors. Is that the way that they want Russell Wilson treated? Because to me, that is uh, – uh, that is disrespect. I yeah, you, I, go ahead. Well, I just I, – I don't understand the idea that, you know, oh, they should do whatever he wants. Okay, well, they did do whatever he wants. They they chose him over all these longtime veterans on defense, all these big personalities. They've given him two contracts. Like, they, it's not like they haven't made moves to try and help the team. They traded away first-round picks to pick up Jamal Adams. They signed Carlos Dunlop. Like, this idea that they, they just have let him out there to figure it out on his own, I just I, – I, I don't understand it. And you know what this is? You, you make such a good point because I think if I was a Russell Wilson fan listening to you, I would say, well, he's, they signed the second contract because they felt like it was best for the team. And I agree with that. And they also made a decision for Russell Wilson over the the, the, the defensive guys that were against some of his ways or whatever. That was also best for the team. So I, I don't think they should necessarily get a ton of credit for that. I think it was their decision. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 